Hello and welcome back to Something Rotten. We have a very special episode of the podcast today because we are talking about Call of Duty World at War, a game that has strangely been one of our most requested games for this podcast. Blake, you've you've got these requests, right? It's it's like literally World at War and then the suffering of all games. Like it's it's could not be too weirder. I mean, the suffering I understand, but World of War has caught me off guard. But now that I played it, I don't know. It's like a pretty good pick. So we're talking about we're talking about Call of Duty. This is our our third episode in the Call of Duty series. But uh, Blake Hester and I are not alone because we are joined by two esteemed guests, both Reed McCarter and Ed Smith of Bullet Points and uh, various other prestigious freelance outlets. I mean, both of y'all have just uh, written for lots of places. Thank you for coming on Something Rotten. Thank you for having me on to talk about Call of Duty. <laughs> Thrilled to be here. That's right. I mean, previously, if you're a longtime Something Rotten listener, you will remember Reed from uh, the Kane and Lynch episode, which was a, a cruel and unusual thing that we did to you by having you come on to talk about Kane and Lynch dead men. Uh, but now you're on to talk about a, a better game, a, a more evil game, all of the above. <laughs> we'll find out. I would say... I would say my professional relationship with Reed has been cruel and unusual because he made me play Wolfenstein Youngblood for oh, bullet points. And just recently, he reviewed the new Call of Duty for Game Informer. So it's just this sadistic relationship we have here. Yeah, it's just a little back and forth. Um, you know, what's a little video game misery between friends? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Reed, I did. I did really enjoy that uh, that Game Informer review of the new Call of Duty and also... I had someone recently in the comments of one of my videos being like, oh my god, game journalists are paid off. You think that the new Call of Duty is really a 9 every year? And I was like, hey buddy, they're not. Game Informer gave it a 6, so uh, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, they were... Uh, that like that took me back. The uh, the comments on that one were were great. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't Look. think you should even reveal that you ever look at the comments, but there was one that was like, this guy... He doesn't think that Call of Duty should exist. He launches petitions against it. And I was like, man, you get, like, Call of Duty is, is what I'm in this for. This is my, <laughs> this is what compels me. This is what keeps me in video games, is Call of Duty. Look, I think the Game Informer community is great. But we have attracted some of the dumbest human beings to that comment section, and they came out in full force for the COD review. Ed, what is your uh, professional or or non-professional relationship with the Call of Duty series? Um, kind of similar to the relationship that a guy who's been kidnapped and kept in a basement for 15 years by someone mm -hmm. might, might have with their kidnapper. I feel... I feel sort of betrothed to it. I've got a kind of Stockholm syndrome sure. thing with Call of Duty, right? Where I I know that it's evil and that it's wrong, but I also feel sort of indebted to I feel kind of gaslit by Call of Duty. I feel sort of indebted to it. I feel kind of obligated towards it. I feel like I have to have opinions and thoughts and write about it even though it kind of contradicts the vast majority of my sensibilities and preferences when it comes to kind of taste and things like that. Um, to put it into more kind of like sincere and earnest terms, I, I find it very fascinating, Call of Duty. I think it's like, uh, 
it's like you know the the sort of synecdoche the kind of embodiment the distillation of everything that we might discuss both good and bad in relation to video games it's it's the purest form it is diamond the purest strain of game. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so you, neither of you will have heard uh, Blake and I's thoughts on Call of Duty 4, which we talked about in the previous couple episodes. But just quickly, do you have uh, specific opinions on that game, on the original Modern Warfare? All-timer. One of the greats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with Reed. I think I think we, we talk about this sometimes on bullet points. We sometimes... Um, we, we feature a game and we kind of say, you know, this is one of the games that is why we started Bullet Points, why we kind of thought that, like, you know, shooting games were worth discussing long form in the first place. And I think the original Modern Warfare is is one of those games. It's For me, it's without a doubt the best Call of Duty. Um, it's, uh, so. a, a fascinating perspective, uh, given that, that Blake ultimately decided that I think he hated it by the end of our recording. Right? <laughs> it was... <laughs> It was so weird because, like, going into it, replaying it, like, it was also my favorite Call of Duty. I don't know if I have one at this point because, I like, my opinion completely changed. I guess my favorite now is just, like, uh, the shipment multiplayer map. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I I think there was, like, a general just, like, I've played so many Call of Duties in so many years that the mechanics started to do little for me. And also we just happened to start playing it on the 20th anniversary of the Iraq War. And I just wasn't <laughs> mentally equipped to, like, deal with that as someone who has only known the Iraq War my whole life. I was like, I can't do it with you, Call of Duty. Um, but World at War, on the other hand, I'm having better emotions about. And it is, it is just so fascinating to go from cod 4 to world you know to play them in in chronological order basically because uh i mean we can we can get into this a little but the reviews of this game were generally like uh you know it's like it's pretty good it's a good call of duty but like really makes you remember how modern warfare was cooking with gas you know like i think a lot of the reviews were kind of like this is a good game but also uh a a step back when call of duty had just taken like an enormous leap forward um and i am experiencing that at the same time as kind of relishing a lot of the more interesting and weird things that this game does that's really interesting because playing it my like the immediate thing grabbing me is i mean i guess like in terms of spectacle it doesn't feel as big as call of duty 4 but it like it's nonstop in terms of just like stimuli, like it's constantly screaming in your face in a way that I think like I Call of Duty 4 just started washing over me. I there was not feeling the peaks of it where World at War is just like kind of constantly operating at 11 for me. Um, I should say in this too, because I think it's going to frame some of how Ed and I have come to this. We've been doing... I don't know when this is going to go up, but we've been doing a Call of Duty series that we've been threatening to do for a long time on bullet points on the podcast. And uh, we've just done one to three. Mm, And then mm -hmm. I jumped into this. So I was just like popping Call of Duty games, like campaigns like Skittles over the last like few weeks. (laughs) And when you play this one after Call of Duty one to three, it feels like... I don't know. It's like watching like Solo after watching a bunch of Disney movies or something. This one just like <laughs> drips with hatred and blood and 
burning <laughs> and all sorts of horrible things. And so it like, I almost had that kind of numbing that Blake is mentioning with like mm. uh, modern warfare, but with this one, just in terms of like sheer noise and, and like an attempt to like shock you, it was just sort of like nonstop. And I think by the end of it, I was kind of like, yeah, not, not worn out or anything, but just kind of like numb to it. Like it didn't, mm. it didn't feel like much of anything. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's interesting in terms of just like the series development history that, that you would have recently played three because we talked about, you know, like these were, it was a big infinity ward series for, for one and two. And then they handed off three to Treyarch and three was generally considered like a pretty, a pretty weak entry. And then, infinity ward returns and kicks the door down with modern warfare and so this is this is the first one that i think is is i mean correct me if if cod 3 is like a secret masterpiece but this is like treyarch establishing an identity where they kind of hadn't before right it's funny to me because i feel like world of wars this occupies this really weird position in call of duty history because in one sense it's kind of a throwback right they they do modern warfare and they they become at least the first kind of really massive game um to to do you know afghanistan or what middle east right i guess and um they never say do they where it is and you know you've had things before like conflict desert storm which did the first gulf war there was full spectrum warrior and games like this but call of duty modern warfare is the first one to do it as a blockbuster and then you get world at war which in one sense is a step backwards because they go back to the well with you know world war ii but playing it again i also feel like it's the game that breaks the mold that call of duty had been in with call of duty one two three and four to me World at War is the first kind of stone that gets kicked loose that eventually, you know, precipitates the avalanche that brings us to where we are now with Call of Duty. This is where it becomes what it is now. Um, so for me, it's a, it's a strange one because it's like it's a bit retrograde in that they they sort of retrace their steps and do World War Two, but it also feels compared to the first Modern Warfare a lot more kind of familiar um to to modern <laughs> to modern warfare to, to modern call of duty it's like the first contemporary call of duty game say say more about that because one of the things that i was shocked playing cod 4 is just like how much they kind of nailed it in one that like the cutscenes of recent call of duty still look exactly like you know the loading screen mission levels and and they're still basically copying ac-130 and one shot one kill and that sort of stuff so how how do you see this one as kind of laying the blueprints for modern cod like do you want to know what i think is wild jacob i bet it's the fact that butterflies can taste with their the bottom of their feet okay well now <laughs> This has completely derailed the ad because I do need to know about that. But no, what I think is wild is we've been doing this podcast long enough that people have probably listened to us talk for like multiple full days. Yeah, people are dumb. What do you want, what do you want me to say? Okay, no, but, but that's not what's crazy. What I meant is that some people have listened to us talk for hours on end and they're still not signed up for Nebula. Wait, you're right. That's full on bonkers. I mean, do they not know how much better the show is on Nebula? That yeah. it's not interrupted by ads? That some of our best yeah. episodes are exclusive there? I mean, we're going to do a full-on commentary on the Mark Wahlberg, Max Payne movie, and they'll only be able to hear it on Nebula. Hold on. We are? That, yeah, I haven't told you this yet. 
Oh my god, that sounds like a nightmare. Well, I'm getting mad about that, but I'm also getting mad about how many people have not gone to nebula.tv slash something rotten, especially since we give them a huge discount for signing up with that freaking link. Like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Disappointed Mm -hmm. that they've been missing out on so much of our delicious thoughts and beautiful content. You lost me again, shut up. Nebula.tv slash something rotten. (laughs) So, I I think that in the first three, there's a sort of overture. We talked about this actually in our COD two episode, which we only recorded last night. Uh, this is a piece oh, wow. behind the curtain. But in the in the first three, in the first three Call of Duties, there's a kind of overture to like history and sort of dignity and a kind of like not exactly somberness or sobriety, but we're meant to sort of reflect on capital T, capital M, the meaning of the war and i think you get that certainly that kind of comes to a head that kind of reaches a climax in modern warfare where you know you get the nuke level uh, where you die from the nuclear bomb and there's this you know you, you play through this kind of slow death and the game ends on presumably uh, everybody who was in your squad dying right and there's this kind of real sort of emotional crescendo of isn't war bleak and then i think that world at war what happens now is that perhaps some of the things that previously might have been played for uh, not exactly melancholy, but played for sort of like, you know, dramatization and inward looking start to be played for something different. So like the, the, the Japanese soldiers with the like flamethrowers and like charging at you, it's no longer, oh my God, isn't this awful? It feels more war exploitation. It feels more gratuitous. It feels more kind of big. And the other thing that I think is really vital to understanding this game is the fact that this is the one that introduces the zombies mode, which becomes, you know, it's not just like an add-on to Call of Duty as we go forward. It becomes like, it's something that I think really sort of bleeds into the identity of the game as like a, as a, as, as a product, as a package. You know, it becomes something that's a bit sillier. It becomes something that's meant to be enjoyed with friends. It becomes something that attempts to provide a kind of all-in-one fire-and-forget wholesale entertainment package. And I think, again, even though the zombies mode in World at War is a lot more restrained than it might be uh, in later Call of Duties, again, it's the first step. And I think that this is where we start to move towards Call of Duty as the annual, you only buy one game a year, make it Call of Duty because it's got everything. And I think that's that's what starts with World at War. I think I sit like on just like my broad feelings of World at War somewhere in the middle of Reed and Ed, where it's like, I, I definitely agree with what Ed is saying, but also Reed brought up like the anger in this game and like the word that kept popping into my brain playing it is like, it's bloodthirsty. And I kind of side with Ed. I don't necessarily think it's like intentional that Treyarch was like, isn't this horrifying? More, it was just like maybe a catharsis of just like mowing down dudes. But when I hit that flamethrower, like I was horrified. Like I found myself actually not wanting to use it because it was like, it was giving me such a visceral reaction that I think Call of Duty 4, like from cradle to the grave, just did not. Like this game was kind of horrifying me. I I think, I think that we are actually going to spend a lot of time talking about this because one of the things that I was struck by is like, you know, Technically, this is running on the same engine as COD 4. You know, like, it's it's it looks good, it, whatever, it runs well, it's doing all the things that Modern Warfare did. But 
in modern warfare there were so many missions where it was just like you're kind of looking at 60 guys running down a hill and i take out my assault rifle and i just click on all their heads and like that was my level of interaction with it and and this the just both both returning to a kind of slower rhythm of combat just in like the weapons that you have available to you and and them making the encounters all so much like closer together and kind of more intimate it's like you i have watched more drawn out death animations in this first half of this game than i did absolutely in the entirety of modern warfare you know like the kind of the level of and this is what everyone always says about world at war like when you see people talking about it online i feel like the thing that people say is isn't it crazy that you can like blow people's limbs off you know call of duty needs to go back to that and so yeah you have these kind of parallels like it's kind of fun it's kind of just like oh my gosh what a what a cool thing for a big blockbuster to do to be this grizzly and simultaneously, you know, you have kind of the series taking death more seriously, or at least, like, putting a lot more effort onto just individual people dying than I ever saw in, like, COD 4. And so it is, I feel like a lot of where you come down on this game is ultimately going to be, like, how much credit do you give them for these decisions and in what direction? Like, what are they trying to do with it? Uh, and I... I don't know yet. Like, <laughs> I kind of don't have a stance. Well, I mean, there's definitely, like, a higher focal point on death in so much that in the, like, interstitial cutscenes, which I believe are just archival footage from World War II, you, there is, like, death footage in there. Yeah. And so, like, it's, it's kind of hard to ignore, even if you miss the animations because you're running around wildly swinging your camera around if you're like paying attention to the story you are seeing like corpses and people be shot and it's like well that's mm -hmm. real i don't know that it's necessarily justifies its inclusion i think if you're we've talked about death footage and the importance of it or lack thereof wherever you land i don't know that it necessarily makes sense in this video game but it is like it's hard to ignore that death is like front and center in this one in a way that i think other call of duties it's just ones and zeros on the screen i think the the thing in this one and what really struck me with how the violence was deployed in this one and this is something you also notice going from like one to three and then to this is that in one to three they're like relatively sanitary they're you know and, and part of that is technological um but part of it is just like there isn't the same focus on the effects of violence. This one has, you know, all the stuff we're talking about, limbs blown off and everything. But I think what's most striking about it is that this is the first game where they're saying we're going to look at the Pacific War. And then also, for some reason, in this vague, like, kind of like Eastern grouping, they're like, let's throw in the Eastern Front here too. Obviously, the thinking is where do we get the most brutality? Um, and I think the popular memory of World War II in the West is, well, uh, fighting against the Japanese and the Soviets fighting the Germans in Russia, whereas was the, the, you know, the, the most horrible, um, which I think is fair in a lot of ways. It does kind of cast like the Western European war as being like somehow just like a bloodless adventure which of course it wasn't um 
But I think, like, you look at this and you look at the way the violence is directed, and it's hard to separate it from them kind of saying, now we have license to... This part of the war is worse in ways that, like... Like, we're going to have to open this can of worms. This game's super fucking racist, I think. Like, its its depiction of the Japanese soldiers is... Um, is sort of, like, colored in a way that they do not do with the Nazis in this game. Um, and so I think, like, you have this... It's, like, inextricably tied up into it where it's hard to say, like, well, is the violence, like, good in that it's showing that war is violent truly violent and horrifying and destructive but it's also saying you know this is like it happens like this when it's not civilized and european you know when it's uh when it's brought to jungles and to uh you know when the when the russians get involved it it becomes a lot worse um anyway i'm like there's there's a lot i think about like in that (laughs) in that topic so that's probably like tangled up and too much all at once as a as a response but i i just think of the way the violence is handled in this one is very yeah it's like very telling about i think how how stories are told of world war ii yeah i mean the the setting is interesting in a lot of ways you know i i think on a on a base level my my thought on like why they chose these two specific theaters was just like oh gosh people are tired of world war ii games how do we make a world war ii game but not do normandy again you know how how do we like just set it in a location that people haven't played a million times and so you've got these two things but but you know playing it what i was struck by and where where i think this game gets some of some of it's just like kind of scary energy is like both both like enemies you're fighting whether it's whether you're fighting you know the japanese or the the germans as the soviets are like incredibly desperate in a way that i feel like world war ii games are not usually getting at because like you know and and in in the characterization of the japanese as kind of like these you know willing to do anything you know hiding underhanded tactics whatever and then in in germany where essentially the story is and i feel like they they almost in the way that call of duty stories can kind of wash over you they almost don't communicate this but it's like it jumps it jumps three years into 1945 where it's like they are like they know they're going to lose you know like that's that is kind of the the interesting thing about fighting the germans in this game and if you like if you're if you look at them they already all look fucked up as your fight like all of the enemy models are already like bandaged and kind of like shitty looking and whatever and so you have in the in the pursuit of this more gritty bloody warfare you know they have totally stripped everything away where it does just kind of seem like it's like we are going to get to kind of the basest people trying to kill each other because like like almost i don't know if absent of ideology is the right word but it's just kind of like everyone is so desperate in the fighting here in a way that obviously other world war ii combat situations are also desperate any war is but the storytelling about this 
is significantly different than those kind of uh, more more traditional World War II game things that we've done in the past. Have there been other Call of Duty games that have moments that push you to shoot retreating enemies? Because at least one mission in here is the Americans. The Japanese are like... They're like, they're retreating. They're out of here. Or, or no, maybe it is the Soviets. One of them. No, you're, it's the Soviets for that. Because I was I was quite struck yeah. by that. And and similarly, yeah. when someone like breaks through a wall and they're, they're the Nazis kind of dying on the floor, but they're not dead. And he's like, fuck it, shoot them. Like, you know, they're they're not going to do anything, but they're Nazis. Uh, uh, yes, I I thought that was again, th- these games go by so fast. But I was like, I was I was very struck by those moments. And I can't think of other than in something obvious, like no Russian, you know, like uh, shooting, retreating people. Right. You, like, I mean, there there are little bits like in the in the first Call of Duty, there's like that Pegasus Bridge sequence where you capture mm. Uh, a bridge and then hold it against a German counterattack, and then your reinforcements come in and you know they're like fleeing at the end and you can kind of keep shooting them but it's sort of you know it's it's not presented the same way of uh you know like <laughs> you know this this has like Gary Oldman doing his like Red Scare voice of like you know like gun them down mm-hmm. comrade like <laughs> the fleeing fascists like gun them uh, like it calls attention to it, right? It, it wants you to to really know these guys are running away and they're beaten. Yeah, uh, they're no threat to you anymore. Um, yeah, that that's like certainly one of the more notable things yeah. in this game. Um, I don't have anything smart to say about this, but, and divorcing it from maybe how its representation and all that. Um, I do like that occasionally some of the Japanese soldiers will pop out of tall grass and start running at you. It's a good little horror moment. It scares me every time. Just want to call it out, like and it and in trees as well. You know they. Uh, oh, I don't like them nearly as much. That so well, annoying. it took it took me a long time to even realize that they were fighting in trees. I mean, I have just just on a pure gameplay level, uh, I died way more uh, playing playing this game than than mm. I did in the first half of COD Four, and in a way where I eventually kind of had to shift my thinking, and again, kind of a kind of a conceptually cool thing where i was like oh this really is about like fighting for every inch where like in cod 4 i was kind of like running into buildings and then i would like shoot everyone in the building and then run to the next building and do the same and in this it's like getting from like one tree to another tree like 15 feet further up feels feels really kind of big and challenging in a way that is again communicating out of the desperation of the fight or or whatever um in general general shooting thoughts uh ed and reed you know in the how do the guns feel question that every review has to answer i i wanted to come back i i I will answer that i wanted to come back just a couple of things um beforehand I, i i forgot who it was who said it uh someone said like i don't i don't know really what it is that they're trying i've not been able to pin down what it is that the game is trying to do um I, I totally agree with that. And I, I actually think that that is kind of fundamental to the development, again, of the Call of Duty identity, where the objective of these games is to present um, such a kind of almost like dizzying array of images, game modes, interpretations, uh, different emotional moments, but also moments of complete 
like unemotionality that it becomes impossible to kind of pin down anything and i think i've written a few things about this in the past few months about how call of duty is the kind of um the, the ultimate kind of like postmodern gaming experience where there's no truth like it's it can be anything it can be nothing it can it can claim to be about something, but it also does such a, a kind of equally competent job of making sure that you can't accuse it of having any convictions at all. But it can look like it has some, but then it doesn't look like it has any. But it can look like it, but it doesn't look like it, right? And it's it's this it's like mercurial. It just doesn't have any strong identity. And I think that you do start to see that in World of War, and that kind of ties into again something else that um, that was being talked about about the. You know, like soldiers running away in the in the Soviet levels and, and being encouraged to gun them down and things like this. So I, I you see that definitely in in modern warfare as well. Like for example, um, in the crew expendable level, when you first kind of arrive on the deck of the ship and there's a few uh, enemies who are kind of asleep in their bunk beds or one of them's drunk and the SAS guys just you know kill them even though they're completely uh, even though they're defenseless. And then in this in the AC one thirty mission, there's a few instances where the guys on the ground are actually kind of running away now. They're, they're backing off, but you can still, you know, bomb them and shoot them and, and kind of uh, kill them even though they're retreating. And I think that it's interesting because in, in that game, Modern Warfare, there's almost a kind of anti-war polemic in, in those images, in the, the death of the Jackson character with the nuclear bomb, the ending where everyone kind of dies, even though they bring Price back in Modern Warfare 2, which I think is a real mistake. Um, whereas in World at War, it's again, it's one of these kind of like, not to you know rely too much on a cliche, but it's a kind of cake and eat it thing where you get the sort of horror of, oh my God, the Russians, you know, are shooting the retreating Germans. But obviously that is then couched in the fact that the people that are being shot are you know nazis so there's a kind of like there's a kind of like moral hygiene there and then they also kind of flip it around where even though when you're playing as the russians you inflict these kind of atrocities when you're playing as the americans the atrocities are kind of being inflicted on you by the japanese enemies you know they seem like the brutal and the vicious and the kind of you know almost like animalistic to be honest in the way that they're in the way that they're presented so what ends up happening is that in some levels you feel like you've got some kind of moral responsibility or you've done something that's kind of morally questionable. But then in, in some other levels, you feel like you are, you know, a victim uh, and that you're the one who's got your kind of back against the wall and that you're the one who's being, you know, the kind of victim of like a war crime. And so there's no sort of like anti-war diatribe there. It's like, it's, it's it, again, it's sort of 50-50. You, you commit atrocities, you're the victim of atrocities. And it kind of, it kind of cleans you or it kind of like protects you, I think, morally uh, to the point where there's there's not like a kind of straightforward, this is what the game is about or is doing. And then to answer your actual question, in terms of the shooting, I think it feels really, really uh, kind of empty. I think from the very first level, which opens with, I think, you know, there's like a, a Japanese guy who leans over you and then the American, your American comrades come in and like a bayonet goes through his back and there's a gunshot. I think straight away the guns sound really weak. They sound really puny, and um, there's still this kind of kind of lightness and like weightlessness um, to to the combat and to the violence, uh, which I think runs through quite a lot of the Call of Duty games. So again, this sense of 
you know, the kind of atrociousness or the brutality of war is really kind of undermined by the fact that the actual combat, the actual act of aiming and shooting a gun and killing someone feels quite kind of removed. Um, so I don't, I don't really feel like it's, yeah, the, the, the combat to me is not very kind of like meaningful or representative. It's quite sort of benign and quite sort of banal almost by design or definitely by design you know I, I i think they want aiming and shooting and killing to feel relatively kind of uh unburdensome in in this game and that to me kind of opens up a lot more questions it's an interesting it's an interesting point because i do i mean i agree on and this is this is definitely a like call of duty doing world war Two thing where there are so many more automatic weapons and they have so little recoil that essentially you feel like you're using you know modern submachine guns and and whatever because they want it to play like the previous one i do think that that you know the kind of the inherent conflict in the game comes in when you start using something like the flamethrower or like the trench gun which are i i think you know feel really like something i mean like the using the flamethrower in this game i think is really intense and the the death animations that they give people and the kind of like the gruesomeness of how you can like watch people char you know like their their entire kind of like skin texture changes um and it feels like a statement but at the same time they're like hey go pick up the flamethrower and then you pick it up and it starts going like and they're they're like playing you know like cool guitar riffs seemingly you know undermining again all of the all of the animations and again like the trench gun is you're like blowing off limbs in a way that that i haven't seen before in in you know previous cods but is it you know like is that a commentary on war being uh cruel and intense or is it cool body feedback that they're going to then expand to put in the nazi zombies mode you know it's it's hard to say i was just gonna say and i wanted to like to pose the maybe the ultimate like something rotten question about this game is do you think this game thinks that what it's showing you is horrifying and something to like recoil from or just cool as hell because the music in this game too is fucking hilarious i was like a, it was, I, agree. I, I, think, yeah. I think it wants it both ways uh yeah yeah I, yeah I, I don't i don't think it's didactic i think you're right with it like that archival footage stuff too yeah, totally. and like the, yeah they do try to have the gravity when when they feel like it's you know when it's to their advantage i think it wants to horrify you so that you as the player feel justified and engaging with what it's asking you, almost like, like not to use this quote, but like get get your hands dirty to keep the world clean or whatever. Like I think it wants you to think like this is terrifying, this is awful, this is scary, but it is necessary within like the narrative of the game and also just to like complete a mission. But like I think it is both ways. Um I also the first time I realized fucking distorted ass guitars were playing which i i don't think were even really common until the 60s so. no we still had like not historically accurate Les paul doing like sped up tape stuff with like yeah the first time i heard that i was like are you fucking kidding me um also i want to circle back uh i think i'm enjoying playing this game more like i don't know intellectually perhaps than call of duty 4 but like actually playing it like the mechanics i do find this game fairly unengaging um like just running to a spot and aiming down the sights and just like 
clicking on heads like it's a shooting gallery I don't find very interesting compared to what is happening around me if that makes sense like I feel like there's a lot of chaos happening and I'm also John Wick in the background just like mowing through dudes because it's like the enemies will stand completely still for you for so long and oftentimes they won't shoot at you the AI is Mm -hmm. real weird in this game where they will just stand completely still letting you put a bullet through their head that I find like mechanically not very engaging at all they've got they've got that they've got that thing what's it called you know where oh for god's sake i can't if it's called like filing or sorting or whatever but you'll get like seven enemies appear yeah only only two are allowed to shoot at you at once or like they'll all shoot mm. at you but only two are allowed to be accurate and you know what i mean and it, it, it works like that yeah yeah or like and like you're you're um the friendly ai's won't shoot at many enemies, leaving them open for you to like knock them down like ducks in a row. That it's like, I see what's happening here, and I'm not super interested in it. Conversely, you get like just the the sheer like waterfall of of gunfire. Like at the end, like uh, yeah, uh, yeah. storming the Reichstag, there's like a part where it's just you can barely move out of cover and you die. <laughs> we haven't we haven't got there yet. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, sorry. That's a uh, breaking the progress, but. Yeah, like when there's like a mounted gun or something, sometimes it's just like you can barely poke your head out. Or when it pushes you to use an anti-aircraft gun to mow down waves of people. I'm like, what are we doing here? This is a weird moment. Uh, the one th- the one difficulty spike in the game, though, is th- are the fucking grenades, which are driving me up a wall. I, I don't remember what mission it was. It was one of the U.S. missions. I died literally like five times within a minute because of the grenades. Was it, is it the one where you're like, running through trenches to get to like the mortar positions i think so oh yeah yeah i had yeah. i had like a real bad checkpoint on that mission where where it was like it was like if i took two steps forward i would just instantly die by a grenade and so i was like having to having to like edge of tomorrow myself out of okay okay what if i like take a step right and then jump backward while i avoid it uh yeah i think this is like a, an issue with most call of duties is the grenade like indicator on the heads up display never truly lets you know when you're out of the blast zone so sometimes it's like it'll show up and you won't get any damage and other times you'll feel like you've run 45 feet away and it's still Mm -hmm. a one-hit kill and this game is the worst defender of this it was driving me crazy last night um i I do want to say i've i've been watching uh alongside playing this um the youtube channel face full of eyes which uh we had referenced in the in the previous episodes on modern warfare has a video on this that i think is very good and is also giving the game all of the credit in the world it's essentially like what would what would you say this game is saying about war if you were going to assume that it was really saying something about war um and and he is calling attention to the uh the enemy behavior specifically in terms of like when they are dismembered and when they're like blown apart and how how detailed the death animations are in a way that makes it seem i mean we kind of already talked about this before but it's like i i don't think if the game purely wanted you to think of it as like fun or cool they would have death animations where a guy like rolls on the ground like holding the place where his leg used to be for like 30 seconds um and and so i do think you know it's it's a weird this game feels a very uh uh not autoured you know if that makes sense where it feels like instead this is a game that uh 200 people made and they had really different ideas about what they were doing 
Um, and, and I feel like that's, you know, it's like the type 100 feels like nothing. The trench gun feels like, uh, the most powerful gun ever made. You know, the music is like cool guitar riffs. The people are, uh, dying in agony. Um, it, it, it's really, maybe, maybe I've gone back to it an earlier place in the conversation. We can start just talking through the missions, but like, it, it, it is just fascinating because COD 4, for everything else about it, I think had like a fairly concentrated like you know line like it really it seemed to have kind of a singular perspective um whereas here who knows well that's kind of interesting because i feel like the only person you really ever think of in regards to call of duty is like vince sampella who obviously worked on four and it's like i couldn't tell you who is the lead dude on the Treyarch games, you know what I'm saying? And then granted, Zampella left, like, pretty early uh-huh. on into that whole thing, but, like... It was once a guy called David Vonderhaar, um, mm. who I think then transitioned to working on the multiplayer games. Uh, okay. Uh, on, the, on the multiplayer aspect of it, rather. He was definitely the lead on um, the Black Ops games. Mm. Um and they followed, I think, not that far. What's the, so this is like this is two thousand and eight, isn't it? So Black Ops is two thousand. Yeah, because it's it's just Modern um, Warfare two than Black Ops. So and Black Ops is a a direct sequel to this, right? Yeah, yeah. Because well, yeah, because of uh, Victor Reznor. He's, yeah, he's the yeah, yeah. Gary, Gary Oldman's in it. He's the, the Eastern yeah. Price essentially. He appears in. Uh, yeah, although there's a there's a twist. <laughs> yeah. Blake, you won't believe it. It's not exactly the same twist as another game we've already played on something right. <laughs> uh... oh, I just I I, I, I I just looked it up. It is indeed David Von der Haar. Um, okay. Who then also yeah he worked at, he did Black Ops. Um, he was also the lead designer actually on uh, I'm looking at Moby Games. He was the lead designer on COD Three. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway, here's here's a question about this game. Uh, do you think it kind of gets away with like not having a plot because we know that the plot is just World War Two happened? Because it's like it's weird how how like COD Four is like here's the villain and here's the things that we're gonna do to stop him, and this is just like World War Two. I think like to the detriment of when they do go back to World War Two games later, um, especially what was that one that really stunk from a few years ago? We didn't do it at bullet points i think because vanguard yeah vanguard that one or just world war ii vanguard where they actually had like (laughs) oh it was Uh, one of the hobbits the dominic uh hobbit uh monahan yeah 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 yeah, he's like it's like he's the villain he's the real like the uber nazi i guess (laughs) like i think it's like it's it's usually fine when you have a war story to uh you know have the the enemy sort of stand in or the concept of war uh the senselessness of mm-hmm. all the death and chaos like be kind of the villain but you still need to have a story there are so few stakes in this one like i i, I think like something jacob was saying before about in the uh, soviet like the eastern front stuff when it skips ahead a few years because it starts off like during this the Battle of Stalingrad, doesn't it? Yeah, so it starts in 1942 in the Battle of Stalingrad. Yeah, they have the contractually obliged enemy at the gates. Oh, of derivation. course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You start off in a pile of corpses, right? Mm-hmm. Sure do. Yeah, in the in in the in, in yeah. the Jude Law <laughs> yeah, that's right. fountain, <laughs> the famous in the middle of Stalingrad. <laughs> yeah, and then and then there's the 
and then there's a sniper right. tool with Ed Harris. Um, yeah, uh, perhaps you don't actually see who you're sniping, but let's just assume that 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 anonymous faceless sniper is in fact played by Ed Harris in Call of Duty World of War. I I like that sniper duel. You know, it was it was very much just like it's a World War Two game. We're gonna do a Saving Private Ryan thing. We're gonna have we're gonna have a sniper duel. Uh, but uh, I thought it was pretty cool. That that part actually is pretty good. You go down really quickly too if you screw up. But that's that. I, I, sorry, I, that's one of the things that kind of bothers me. <laughs> kind of bothers me about it, right? I just don't buy it because it's like, oh yeah, you know, keep your head down because if you get shot, then you're, you're <laughs> you get two. Like, well, no, I've been shot <laughs> a thousand <laughs> times by this point. So you know, I don't know why the rules suddenly change. That okay, well now I die in one. Because it's a... and then once the sniper's dead, you can just go back to being shot. Yeah, I know because it's a set piece. I know. No, but a, a sniper can hit the exact nerve centers. They're masters of. Of shooting. No, it's it's actually it's like the Uncharted thing where when the screen gets bloody, that's just your luck running out. Yeah. And, and then the last time you're shot for real. Yeah. The sniper yeah, knows the yeah. crit spot. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> what I was gonna say though is that I I just feel like I think maybe like when they were sketching out the overarching story of this, they were like revenge and underlined it five times. Um, you know, with the with the the game opening with your uh the american character being tortured in a pow camp and then your soviet soldier you know in stalingrad and waking up in the corpses and you know and and i think for the soviet campaign sure that if you could have focused that a little bit more and had a look at like the bloodthirstiness of a people who have been occupied who are now you know, pushing back the enemy and, and are going to conquer them. That's the story. I think the American slash Japanese one is a little is a little iffy and, and doesn't quite ever justify itself yeah. as being a revenge story. Um, but it always seemed to me like that was supposed to be like the thing. I think that's a great point. And I do also think it's why, I mean, aside from uh, feeling generally uncomfortable with the kind of Japanese portrayal, like the playing as the soviets is just like hitting a lot harder for me i i think those levels are just more uh more interesting uh do you think when they were making this game next to revenge and underlining it five times they also wrote down the word panzer shrek and and uh, underlined that five times because i heard that word more uh while playing this game than i ever have <laughs> in my entire life up until this point is that the is that the rocket launcher that's the rocket launcher, oh, and Gary man. Oldman just yells at you uh, 100 times, use the Panzer Shrek! Yeah, yeah, not a good moment. Died a lot. Yeah, there, there's a lot of Panzer Shrekking in this one. It's a lot of Panzer Shrekking. Um, I don't think we really need to walk through the levels in detail like we have in the past, but are there any particular ones? Blake, maybe you have a better memory because you just played the, the first half like me of... Um, like you know stand standout moments or standout missions or anything like that i mean going into those bunkers with the flamethrower stands out to me is just like a particularly horrifying thing to do is just like send that send that fire in a place where it can't escape and burn everyone in there that was like where i was really starting to feel uncomfortable with the game um also just like the immediate impact of like 
how angry the Soviet missions are. Because I think, like, the first two missions are as Americans. is kind of, like, tutorializing a lot of it still. And then you hit that Soviet mission, and you're crawling through bodies and, like, interacting with the guy who's like, no, we are getting revenge right now. Mm-hmm. And you go through that whole thing. You can shoot the guy's flamethrower on his back and blow everyone up. Uh, that, like, stands out to me as, like, the moment I was like, oh, this game is, like, out for blood in a way that like a lot of call of duties don't seem like they are yeah um beyond those two a lot of it does start to bleed together honestly you know like those are kind of like the peak moments not necessarily in terms of like where i was having the most fun but like what stands out to me from the first half of the game yeah i thought it was interesting in even within their effort to escape uh like the world war ii we've all done before they essentially have like a landing at Normandy mission yeah. that that has almost exactly the same beats where you're in kind of like an amphibious vehicle and it opens up and you see your squad mates getting like brained and all that, which admittedly is probably something that happened in real life. I am not uh, I'm not like a World War Two historian, but I was kind of struck by how similar some of the beats were, even though they took these great pains to to put it in a place that it uh, hadn't been before the uh a lot of those like american i read a, a while back um books written by uh sledge which is a great name uh a marine who fought in the pacific and uh lackey or something like that they're they're portrayed in the pacific the like you know pseudo sequel mm-hmm. to band of brothers um and so and and it's like these two very good memoirs of of fighting in that war and they could have done more there were a lot of like time spent of these like marines like just on a beach just losing their minds um trying to get sort of 10 meters further uh that this game probably could have gone like full sicko mode and like really shown um so they definitely like that part with the the kind of like normandy adjacent landing i think is like one time where they kind of get close to that i was sort of and this might be too of like playing so many of these world war ii cods like back to back like keep wanting them to actually do something that's like horrifying or, or frightening in a way that's not just like you know the effects of violence like immediately yeah well what if there were zombies those are frightening who that's very frightening that's right that's something we talked about a bit with call of duty 4 was like why can't we have a moment where we are like hey these are teenagers and they're going to be disenfranchised by like what they're not disenfranchised but like they're gonna be horrified by what they're asked to do and like you know a lot of those people when they left that war were like firmly against the iraq war it's like why can't we do something like that why can't we show that wise i understand there's like anti-war sentiment in call of duty 4 and i think it has some standout moments but i feel like it could have gone farther in exploring what that war meant for some of those kids that were over there and there's like an interesting moment in the interstitial of uh, one of the missions in world at war where you just see like text fly up that's like how hot it is where they're fighting in the pacific and i think it says sunstroke or something <laughs> yeah. stroke and it's like why can't we explore what's going on to these people you know it's like why are why can't we just take a moment to breathe in some of these games and explore the 
the psychology or physical effects beyond just a bullet traveling at your head. Well, and I think like I brought up those two books as well, because when these guys describe sort of the hell of, of fighting in these places, and it was a hell that, you know, obviously uh, was, was shared to a degree, but like so much of their anger and so much of the stuff that kind of drove the, the bloodthirstiness was, was stuff that like is not just someone trying to shoot you in the head who's aiming at you you know they're they're talking about being on beaches and just being shelled for hours um and and just what that would do to your your brain to just like the randomness of of and the noise and and the sort of like sheer overwhelming nature of it but then they also talk about like it's fucking hot and you're like getting stung by mosquitoes all the time and like you know, you don't have enough to eat and everything's damp all the time. And it's like, you could mm-hmm. set some of this stuff up in a way that kind of gives you a bit more to go on for why, like, Kiefer is, like, screaming constantly in this game than just that, like, you know, the POW camp at the beginning. Yeah, well, the, and this is one of the things that I think it both... it it. it speaks to ed's point about the guns feeling kind of like limp and and just kind of i don't know it calls into question like how effectively could any video game really do this because like you know i think any any commentary on how punishing this is on like soldiers kind of runs into this game has to control uh perfectly it has to feel as snappy as you want the gun needs to aim right where you want when you want it um and and that you know that makes you feel super capable not like a guy who has been losing his mind on a beach for days um but also you know then thinking about the inverse i'm like would i be happy if it was just like you know the the screen got wavy and i was like wiggling my gun around i don't i don't think i would because like again modern warfare did that when modern warfare or like the the 2019 modern warfare when it was like oh child soldiers they can't hold a gun as well and i like i thought that was uh pretty weak what about max max pain 3 a game that makes you feel like you stink of booze and old sweat constantly. It's a fair point. But you shoot, you shoot pretty well. I don't know. I mean, I I took those pills and my health went <laughs> that's down. A, that's a good point too. <laughs> <laughs> the the only the only points in Max Payne Three I did that is when I tried to bullet dodge and went like straight into a wall <laughs> and, and it just like crumples and falls to the ground. Jacob, I I think. Th- I think that's a good point, but like also there's a hypothetical. The game doesn't do it, so we won't have an answer. I think like it is a bummer to see no attempt across the two Call of Duties we've yes, played I, here. I agree. I think like if if you know, if, if when it comes down to it, if, if they did attempt something, it probably wouldn't have landed. It probably would have felt kind of vapid, like that child soldier thing. But it's like I still would like to see the attempt, even if it's a. 10 minute set piece in a mission or five minute set piece in a mission 10 minutes would be kind of long but um i think it's the lack thereof that kind of like leaves me wanting more i think that the reason that you don't see these things and that you'll never see these things is because why would they do it you know like what what, what's in it for them what 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 is in it for them like these conversations assume that um you know call of duty or or games of you know, a, a equivalent sort of size and magnitude are, um, you know, kind of artistically ambitious and that the, 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 the kind of powers that produce them 
have, you know, um, aspirations of producing something that is kind of subversive or transgressive or, you know, kind of artistically right. like viable in the way that we're describing. Um, and I, I, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. And I'm not, I don't say that as a judgment. I don't say that with like sass or with, with necessarily criticism. Um, I just don't think that there is really any of this intention in the production of this thing. Um, I think that the reason that we'll never really see anything like that from Call of Duty is because it's, mm. you know, proven to be a, a success without it and not yeah. even just without it, but like, despite it, you know, like, uh, being the complete opposite of all of these things is, is what has made it successful. But they do try though, you know, like in these different ones. I think I've, I, 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 I think I used to feel like that. Right. And I think that the way I feel about it now is it kind of relates to something I said earlier on, which is that they call of duty is, is built to appeal to and engage and sort of activate as many people as possible. And that also includes this kind of like precariat of, you know, maybe slightly sort of higher minded game critics. And so they have these kind of like slightly, you know, I think they're quite sort of like facile and kind of lip service moments where it's like, oh, maybe there's someone who works at this at this game studio there's someone amongst this kind of 400 people strong team who's got a little bit of kind of aspiration towards these things that you know we we write about and that we want to see and that but it, but it's there not because it's actually intended it's like it's like goldstein in 1984 it's like it's like something for us to all latch onto and keep our interest and and something that kind of engages like a certain percentage of the audience but that's why it's there it's not there because it's like legitimate and and like heartfelt it is by design it is there simply to to make sure that podcasts still get recorded about it because it's that that <laughs> yeah. that is what call of duty wants exposure and more and yeah. more and more I think like I think I agree with not to keep being a centrist about it, but I think I'm falling in the middle here where it's like I think earlier games had statements like in the last episode or maybe two episodes ago, we read some quotes from the piece that Katie McCarthy and I worked on about No Russian, where the guy who like, you know, worked on Call of Duty Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare 2, the original ones, not the more recent ones, like he did speak to some of the statements they wanted to make. I also think as the series has gone on at such a popular level and they have become more in bed with, uh, you know, celebrities and weapons manufacturers and the United States Army, like, the actual statements have been stripped away for, like, a word that Ed used earlier for, like, war exploitation, where it's, like, putting this stuff in the game, but ostensibly not making comments about it. It's more just, like, here is the thing that happens, but there's no statement, or at least they're not saying it is. So I think it's kind of both ways, where there used to be more attempts at statements, and now they're just, like, hollow images meant to kind of be shocking in the moment. Yeah, I think that they've become as much, you know, if, if, if at the start of the production of a Call of Duty game, there's a list of maybe a hundred things that must be included, you know, balance the multiplayer, um, six maps for zombies. There's also on that list, uh, the shocking moment. And I, you've got like Modern Warfare 2, which does the no Russian thing, right? And then every game after that... They all have a no Russian. Yeah, they, yeah. All, and they, they all have like that disclaimer at the front now. 
it's like with it's like with the Far Cry series. Yeah, it's a trademark. Like, you know, there's kind of like the hallucinogenic moment in Far Cry Three that engaged a certain, yeah, it engaged a certain section of like critics and writers, and you know, a, a certain kind of response, and so it becomes a feature and something that is is marketable. It's like the first time that you know a Marvel movie had like an end credit sequence. It's like, oh my god, there's this surprise sequence at the end of the credits. Oh wow, that's novel. But then it becomes simply subsumed into the product brief. And I think that that's, that's Call of Duty when it comes to, to shock, when it comes to we're doing something a little bit brave and artistic and subversive. It's, it's not. It's that is just the product. It's like, it's like iconoclasm with like a little TM at the end. It, you know, it, 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 that's all it is. I, I do think what's, you know, what's, what's interesting at World at war from that perspective is i i do think there is not they don't have at least thus far one moment you know like that's that's what what i'm kind of finding interesting about it is, is that it, it it is it's like it's shockingness it's whatever is not no russian it's not like in modern warfare 3 where they blow up a little girl or like in you know 2019 when you get waterboarded or whatever it's like you know, the whole game does kind of feel like it is doing the thing as opposed to confining it to one mission. And I do think that that makes that thing uh, read as more of a theme and less of a one-off, you know, because it's like you you could not look at Modern Warfare 2 and be like, oh, the theme is something presented in no russian you know like that's it it, it it is just it kind of just exists to exist and be you know be this little warning that they have at the beginning and this you know for for all of the cynicism that i still have about the series i do think that it is so like the the anger the bloodthirstiness of this game does run throughout in a way that i think makes it more uh you know it feels more what the game is about than those kind of isolated shocking moments that you see in the future yeah i mean that might just be a product of coming out a year after call of duty 4 you know development was already probably a long ways and it's a pre no russian world maybe no russian was like the deciding moment where they're like we have to have this one thing oh yeah yeah i i i agree but it's like you know i do think this is in in the same way as you can look at that ac 130 mission right in sure pod four isolated and be like wow what a powerful statement on on modern warfare and then you look at it in 2023 when every game has the ac-130 mission and you think what this is nothing you know this is just like a trick in their playbook looking at this game you know and and taking it just on its own it's not doing the one shocking thing it is shocking uh, throughout in a way that feels uh, thematic rather than yeah. uh, just like here's here's the the one little piece for game writers to write about. That said, we've only played half the game. Maybe we're going to hit that one moment in the back half. That's it. That's true. We we don't know. Um, <laughs> what what else is in this section? I mean, it is truly just like it's just. I mean, I think one of the things I think you can feel a lot of. Um, modern warfare in world at war even though they are decades apart in setting and only one year apart in development in terms of like uh 
just fighting in like hell you know like when you're in when you're playing as the soviets you're never like you are so the places are already so blown to shit when you're fighting you know that it feels like it's kind of like nothing ever existed here which is what we talked about in the modern warfare levels as being kind of like uh i don't know the the their view of the middle east is nothing except kind of a war zone uh but here i think it is actually significantly more striking that it is like look at look at germany you know this this used to be a place or whatever and now it is just kind of like a absolutely destroyed or you know stalingrad or whatever yeah that's definitely something like the the american and japanese stuff is like you know you get the sense of this is not home (laughs) turf uh the way they're showing it they're not going to show you anyone who's like indigenous to any of the the islands that you're on there um it's just war zones but yeah i i think there's a maybe a version of this game that is you know, and whatever you, you you critique the game you got, but I, I kept thinking of. I think there is a version of this game that is either just focus on the Pacific or just focus on the Eastern Front that would work a lot better. And I think for the kind of like Treyarch, like kind of like thrash metal sensibilities, it's like it's the Eastern Front. I think that's what they they needed. Um, I think they're in their element a bit more there. Is, Tre- is Treyarch the one that put Avenged Sevenfold in one of these games? Yeah, it's the end. It's the end of Black Ops Two. <laughs> that was cool. This is, you know, <laughs> what, this is moment. this is actually, uh, yeah, I actually kind of like that. I like genuinely like that because that that to me, <laughs> that to me is what Call of Duty actually is. Like that's that's what sure. they that's what they keep missing it's like it's they're they're following the wrong star like forget forget this is why i really like infinite warfare which which got fucking torn to pieces by people but that one's got like just no pretensions towards you know reality um and black ops 2 actually is the same i think it's one of the better ones because it's 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 just you know foot to the floor two fingers up to good taste and and it works and i think that Call of Duty, like, up to a point, yeah, you know, it's emulating, like, Enemy at the Gates, Saving Private Ryan, things like this. Uh, the Modern Warfare 2019 is copying, you know, Zero Dark Thirty and the Hurt Locker, right? And it has these aspirations towards, you know, meaningful war films. I I, I want Call of Duty to be more, you know, like, Inglorious Bastards or The Dirty Dozen or something. Like, I, I think that that's what, the, the those are the films that ought to be inspiring it. Um, in terms of like, it feels like, you know, uh, you know, you're talking about like the, the, the level design, um, there's something, there's something definitely, I think there's something definitely to be said about that. It's a really strange one because it's in a bombed out ruined Stalingrad and in this kind of like blown up puck marked by explosions, um, you know, Pacific front. But at the same time, because it's 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 video game and it's you know Call of Duty is like a, a superlatively designed, underlined video game. It's designed, and so even though the environments are kind of you know this place has been destroyed, this place is not for a person. The navigation is always quite streamlined, and 
your kind of understanding of the topography and where you're meant to go is always quite straightforward. It's not like you feel lost. It's not like you feel kind of like baffled. It's not like there's anything kind of um, kind of evocative in that way about these locations. It's like a you know it's it's a masterpiece in signposting where you need to go next. It's only yeah. instead of corridors, it's like you know a blown out bit of wall. Instead of an arrow saying go left, it's like there's a fire in the distance or something. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's like. But what else could it be, right? I mean, what else could it be? It can't be, you know, it can't be like open world. It can't be, we're going to drop you in a level and let you get lost for, you know, two hours because that's not Call of Duty either. Um, but again, it's this sort of like tension between we want it to feel kind of, you know, like apocalyptic and, and, and look at the state of this place. But we also want you to get through it pretty quickly and not feel, you know, overwhelmed or, or, or too kind of, um, y- you know, like uh, burdened by the fact that you're here. It's a, it, it, yeah, there's a real kind of conflict. In I, have a, I have a question for y'all. It's a trivia question. Uh, do you know what the best-selling Call of Duty is? I was going like to say best-selling game. Blops One, for some reason. Uh, Black Ops Three. I, th- I, I, for a long time, it was, it was definitely Black Ops One. For a long time, it's. I, I don't know if it, if it has been replaced. Maybe. I mean, I, I think it is still. It is still Black Ops One. Yeah. Which is. I, I, a kind of mind-blowing uh, statistic for me, both wow. because uh, it was now 13 years ago, uh, and also that, that that's kind of the, you know, I don't, I don't know how much we can assign it to just, like, that was Call of Duty's, you know, biggest heyday. The second best-selling is Modern Warfare 3, which came out the year after. Um, but, like, uh, Black Ops 1 being the best-selling is so interesting in context of World at War because it is, you know, it's the next big Treyarch game. It is technically a sequel, and yet it is so... I mean, I haven't played Black Ops 1 uh, since it came out, but, like, I remember it being this incredibly kind of densely plotted, almost like a, you know, like a like an airport, air, airport novel thriller you know with like oh it's got so many twists and turns you won't believe it and and so for that being the follow-up to this and and uh, like chronologically in the same the same timeline as world at war which is a game that has effectively no plot is is just like it's a really it's a really kind of fascinating thing and maybe we are all just kind of by talking about the campaign so much we're kind of being stupid because it's like we know most players don't even touch the campaign you know like how how much is it just like eh, they like the multiplayer they liked playing modern warfare 2 so they're buying the next one so i was was gonna say i think i think one of the reasons that black ops one is uh you know was like the most successful is is maybe because it was um it felt like it was the first this the thing i talked about earlier on like the package was really established by them. Yep. We're going to do a campaign, perhaps in somewhere that you've not seen before, like 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 we did in Modern Warfare, and then like we did in Modern Warfare Two, where it's a little bit more futuristic. We're going to have the multiplayer that you know and love now, that was kind of established and formalized in Modern Warfare One, um, and that we've kind of iterated on since. And now you also get the zombies mode, which is not in Modern Warfare yeah. Two. You know, we we kind of we kind of like prototyped it in World of War, but now we've made it into like this fully fledged thing so you know you're getting three game modes in one 
Um, yeah, they've kind of. I mean, Modern Warfare Two did have the the Spec Ops mode, which was kind of their their like co op, you know, secondary to the campaign and whatever. But it is. I do think of Black Ops One as being the one that kind of cemented like you are getting three things, right. and and even now, you know, when you buy it. Now it's kind of you get the campaign, you get multiplayer, you get Warzone feels like the the three things. But it's like, yes, that it is. It's everything you need, baby. You buy a Call of Duty, you're going to play it for 300 hours, like, you know, best best hour per dollar you can spend. Well, at the at the end of this episode, which is the first half for us, but but uh, Ed and Reed, your your final word on World at War until you cover it on your own podcast. Um, I mean, where do you think... I guess in terms of... Uh, this is... It's a boring question after all of the kind of thematic stuff that we've been talking about here. But just in your, like, estimation of the series, do you like this game? Like, do you think it, you know, just in, in terms of, like, Call of Duty's own relative scale of good and bad... Is it near the top? Is it near the bottom? You know, like, what do you think about World at War? I just have to consult my 900-page uh, ranking of Call of Duty campaigns that I keep next to me <laughs> at all times to see. Uh, you know what? I think, like, when it, when I thought, Jacob, you were just going to be like, what are your kind of final thoughts? I keep coming back oh, to... Oh, sure. Yeah, look, you can give those... <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I was just going to say, because right away that made me think of sort of what Ed said of... You can kind of place this one in in the... It's it's a Rorschach test of what you bring to it, I think is kind of where you can land on it in terms of the violence and kind of the purpose of it and everything. But then when I think of it in the kind of, you know, the the Hall of Call of Duty it probably is one of the more interesting ones. Like, not to say it's necessarily the best campaign. I don't think it's it's the most thrilling campaign. It's kind of just serviceable. In that sense, it's like, in terms of the playing through it, it's like maybe kind of middle of the pack. Um, in a lot of senses. But I think it does... This game stuck in my memory a lot more than I expected it to. Like, I first played it, like... You know, maybe a, a couple of years after it came out, and when I was playing it again this time, like a lot of stuff from it, I still remembered. It was um, like like the retreating soldiers and kind of the the screams of the dudes on fire, um, and a part later in the game that that you'll come to with you know the the Soviets and whether or not to sort of like kill uh, Germans, um, like like some of those things stuck in my head as being there there's a promise here um that i don't think is is fulfilled but yeah in in that sense i think it maybe has a little more gusto <laughs> it has um <clears throat> it's sort of like you know you can you can maybe rank call of duty games by like a bunch of different uh metrics and you know like the evil quotient and like just like the spectacle quotient and like you know is the multiplayer really good or bad? This one I think is is sort of middle of the pack in a lot of respects, but it, it sticks in your mind more than like uh, more more than you might think. So I, I don't know. I guess it's a long winded way of saying I, I think it's sort of above average for a Call of Duty and in, in like the final estimation there. Mm -hmm. Ed, um, 
so I, I remember getting this in 2008, um, having had my nuts blown off by modern <laughs> warfare and thinking that was so fucking good. And I got, I got this in the, in the, you know, the winter of 2008 and yeah, it really just kind of like, didn't like it. I, you know, it really just, it really just kind of sank back then. Right. Um, and when I replayed it this time, I, I think, so when I, when I first played it back, when it came out, it was, it was, this is rubbish. It sounds rubbish. It's a bit boring. Um, and, and I just didn't in a very kind of like consumer review, uh, you know, um, steam review, steam forums kind of way. I just didn't like it back then. And then replaying it now, I was kind of more interested in it because of the, the position that I think it now occupies kind of retroactively in Call of Duty history. I think it's, bec it's become more interesting in this kind of metatextual uh, sort of way uh, over the years, but still in a textual way is still just as dull as, as it was when I, when I first got it. And then having said that, I do remember spending hours and hours and hours bonding with friends at university because I just started studying over the zombies mode and like really, really loving it. So yeah, I think that, I think that the game is quite sort of drab and just naff. And then it's got more interesting over the years because of how you can now see where it kind of occupies uh, a space in the sort of Resident Evil. Resident Evil? I've been playing Resident Evil. I've been playing Resident Evil this afternoon. So yeah, so I've got this stuck in my head. In the Call of Duty lineage. Um, and the Zombies mode was good fun. And actually, I think the Zombies mode's got worse and worse. I really like this one because it's kind of just simple. Um, so yeah, uh, five out of ten. <laughs> Rent, don't buy. Yeah, five out of ten, don't buy. Wait for Steam sale. <laughs> yeah, what is that on the Game Informer scale? Let me look. Uh, I think it's a nine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I, that's not quite what I meant. But good joke. Better joke than I had. Um, well, so so can people listen to y'all's series yet? Your COD series, or do you have like a date that you can give them? This episode will come out in, uh, I don't know, like. A, a month i think then oh, our, our cod series will be yeah it will will be up and running by then i think great so what's it what's it called where can people listen to it it's uh it's called recall of duty which it should be called Codcast. <laughs> i i yeah that 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 title needs needs work but we're stuck with it now because yeah we're, we're, are we stuck with it we are aren't we we are because years ago uh use of coal um the the other the other third of our editors um was reviewing the like the black ops reboot and so he enlisted me to like play all the black ops games and then podcast about each one of them <laughs> and so we were like ah oh, this is recall of duty who cares just get it out and then it kind of made sense to stick with it so i think we are stuck with it ed but Again, long way of saying it should be, we should be um, maybe an episode or two up by now. I think we're going to put them up every two weeks and they'll be on bulletpoints.com slash Patreon where uh, you can support bullet points and where we do things like these podcasts to try to entice you to pay for the uh, writing, which is where 
<laughs> which is all free and takes way more time um, than podcasting. And you should. Bullet points is good as hell. I was I was really enjoying the uh, the the article that y'all published just the other day about the end of like a Dragon Ishin. Um, as someone who finished that game recently and did not know uh, exactly what I should be feeling, uh, I thought that was a really a really canny article about it. Um, is there anything else individually that that either of you would like to plug? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't. I don't. Either either I don't have anything, or if I do, I I don't care about it enough to remember it, or have enough confidence in it to recommend it to people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, um, if if you want to like put my bank account details on the show notes, and if people just you know just want to wire me some cash, then that's always welcome. Oh, but first, it's um, got to go to no, yeah, PayPal dot com slash game query, and then and then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, send it to the, the, the Bullet Points Offshore Cayman Islands account, which is where we keep all of our all of our Patreon donations. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, just, yeah. just go to bulletpointsmonthly.com and um, and read all the stuff that we put up there. Um, yeah, we've been doing it nearly 10 years now, haven't we, Reed? Something like oh, that. The site the podcast is almost, started 2000 almost six years old, and the podcast is, yeah, probably getting on close to a decade. Um. Which is exciting for me because I'm about to celebrate my 21st birthday in about a week. (laughs) (laughs) Very impressive. Um, Well, thank you both so much uh, for for coming on. I I think especially after after our kind of like uh, getting getting lost in in the morass of COD Four, it was really. Uh, I don't know. I I just very much appreciate both of y'all's thoughts on this game and and the COD series as a whole, which is just such a fucking tangled knot of uh, it's it's like the most successful franchise in the world, isn't that? Isn't that just like nuts to think about? That it's like, yeah, here's mm. this this game makes more money than the Avengers. Yeah how how can you not? Yeah, it's wild. Want to talk about it? I think a lot, a lot of you know, and a lot of mainstream games critics don't want to talk about yeah. it, and it, you know, like I guess we're the you know the the Patty Hearst of of games critics, and we're bound to <laughs> uh, the <laughs> Call of Duty every year, and we can't tell if it's a good thing or a bad thing anymore. I mean, I think it's remarkable that despite the the faults and evils of Call of Duty, I think they're worth talking about, which is nice things you can say about every game of this caliber. Like, I'm not going to talk about uh, every FIFA. FIFA. <laughs> yeah, like, so, shouts out to Call of Duty. You know, they're doing great work over there at Activision. <laughs> if we want to leave you with one thing. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're, they're keeping yeah, us all in the job. Willy Wonka's war crime factory <laughs> they're they're churning them out yeah they're they're always they're always interesting oh sorry jake if i you're trying to sign off and I'm no like... i'm i'm closing us out but hell we can keep going um uh, until until next time <laughs> call of duty 10 out of 10 uh i'm jacob geller i've been here with uh blake hester and reed mccarter and uh ed smith and, uh, hey, next time we're finishing World at War, and I'm sure uh, it's going to make all of its ideologies completely consistent and clear. That's what's going to happen for the next episode. That's right. Bye. Bye.